All right, y'all. Welcome to another episode of the Good News Cast. Been a couple weeks um, because of Christmas and Christmas shenanigans. Um, we are going to probably finish this little series we've been doing, um, talking about total depravity, uh, the gift of faith, perseverance of the saints. And today we're going to talk about what has been historically called uh, limited atonement, the doctrine of limited atonement. Um, that's not exactly a title you and I use, but historically <laughs> no. that's what we're talking about. So if you know the world of theology that we're talking about, you'll know, okay, basically what we're going to talk about today. Um, so we're going to dive into that and here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to say this out loud because it'll help uh, Jeff and I stay on track. We're going to talk about what does that mean? What are we talking about when we talk about limited atonement? Um, probably add in there at some point why that's not a great title or term uh, for what we're talking about. Um, what is it kind of speaking? What's the opposite position? What's the opposing theological position? Just to clarify what we're talking about in terms of the doctrine. And then the significance of it. Who cares? Why does it matter? And especially want to talk about kind of wrong ways you can go with it. Um, or perhaps if you're studying this topic or even after you listen to this podcast, there could be certain ways you maybe feel about it, um, that would be good warning signs that perhaps you're, you're thinking in the wrong way or thinking about this doctrine in the wrong way. Um, that sort of thing. So, uh, Christmas, quick Christmas update uh, Jeff and I talked a long time about how our Christmas time was with family. Both said it was a little bit miserable just having to be with our families. Um, no, I'm just kidding. We both said it was like uh, the best bomb. Christmas. Yeah, best Christmas ever, man. What was one highlight that stands out the most? Even though you said your whole time was great, my whole yeah. time was amazing yeah. with my family. But is there a highlight? Yeah, there is. I mean... So I have a brother that's also a pastor, church planner up in Edmond, and so he came down, and so he had his kids, and one of his uh, children is married, so her new husband, and then one of my daughters is married, their new husband, all of us were together, and it was just fun. I mean, I just, I just remember, like right now, sitting around the table, this long, long table at my parents' house and laughing and uh and crying i mean it was like it was a great time so yeah awesome. just connecting reconnecting you know he and i my brother and i are really really close but you know we get to see each other what once a year twice a year maybe mm -hmm. if that mm -hmm. uh because of pastoral schedules so it was just great Mine's kind of the same was with all my side of the family, parents, siblings, all the kids, cousins, and, uh, and it was just really good to yeah. laugh, share stories, catch up, uh, us being in Waco, all my family being in Dallas. Uh, so I still see them, you know, decently throughout the year, but yeah. not, not near as much as I'd like to. So yeah. being together for like a full week is the best. So the stories, um, the, yeah. the, the the good kind of uh, more heartfelt connects things like that hearing what's going on the good and the bad um i love it kind of energizes me so yeah, same here um yeah and really good food really good adult beverages too mm -hmm. my brother has a really good scotch i mean it, all of it mm -hmm. was just fantastic yeah my brother-in-law drinks 
like uh, barrel proof whiskey or whatever it's called where it's like through the roof proof, yeah. you know? And yeah. dude, like I bring it, he'll give me, I yeah, try this and I bring it to my lips and I kind of start tilting the cup back and starts burning my eyes, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, uh, geez. So fire water, but man. yeah, great food, man. We had some barbecue. We were in Florida and had barbecue in Florida. That was oh, unreal. Come on. I'm telling you everyone there. We're all I don't Texans. Believe it. We're Do all not- Texans. Dude, they had brisket that was phenomenal. This like brisket mac and cheese. These tater tots. The ribs were insane. They must be from Texas. Whoever I, the people that it's, had that barbecue. It's something. It was. Yeah. Uh, anyways, okay. Limited atonement. Um, mm-hmm. Limited atonement. So if you're tracking, you know this world. It's okay if you don't. Tulip. We're on L. Limited atonement. Yeah. What are we talking about with the doctrine of limited atonement? What are we talking about? And then we'll move into, and in, in, in that, you can even talk about the, if, if not limited atonement, what are your options when you think about the cross? <laughs> right. So there are basically two flowers to two major systems, according to my church history professor. You have, you have the tulip, right? Calvinism has this tulip, which we've been marching through. And Arminianism is another theological system that's kind of the uh, mirrored opposite of uh, the tulip and the mirrored opposite of Calvinism, and it has the daisy, as my church history professor said. So the tulip is, he loves me. The daisy is, he loves me. He loves me not. Uh, not too many laughs. Yeah, such not many laughs came out of the class when he did do that. Probably not many right now. But those are the those are the two systems. So what are we looking at? We're looking at limited atonement. Yeah, I'm not a real fan of that word either. But what it means is. It's getting to the meaning of the atonement. So did Jesus accomplish something? What did Jesus accomplish? That's the question of atonement. Uh, so when Jesus uh, was incarnate in his incarnation, his perfect life, his uh, death, his resurrection, his ascension, did that do anything? Did it accomplish anything? Was anything achieved or was it only potentially so, and then if it was potentially so, what is it that leverages or activates that potential to make it actual to you? Uh, those are your those are your two systems. You have one that says, well, that in Jesus' incarnation and in his perfect life and in his death and his resurrection uh, and his ascension, that it was a substitutionary work, that he was actually substituting himself in our place and accomplishing uh, the reality of what's called salvation and that there's no other work needed. It is finished. It's a comprehensive, complete, accomplished, achieved, won, victory, salvation, done. No other work is needed. Um, That's what limited atonement means, and that's why we would call it definite atonement. The limited is... Uh, sadly, just been tagged on to what's called uh, the scope of it, meaning for whom, for whom did Jesus accomplish this definite atonement? And it's called limited uh, because uh, in the theological world, it's talking about the elect or those for whom uh, believe in Jesus and are Uh, trust in him are the elect and are the ones for whom Jesus has accomplished the salvation. So uh, that's the, the unfortunate vocabulary of limited why money folks are talking about definite because that seems to get 
at the uh, crux of the nature of the atonement, but it doesn't, I mean, what's a tulip? Nobody knows what a tulip is, so we stick with tulip because the L uh, for limited atonement makes sense. So, again, the L stands for limited, meaning for whom did he do this? Uh, but the meaning of atonement is what did Jesus do? Uh, limited is talking about for whom did he do it? To talk about the... Um kind of other side of the coin, not the other side of the coin, uh, another option. We talk about thinking of the cross in terms of potential. Correct. Um, when we talk about the cross, uh, maybe this is a, a better way for me to even articulate it. When we talk about the cross, as you just said, and when we get at limited atonement, again, that's not like a title or language I use to talk about the cross of Christ because yeah, I think it's I never misleading. talk that way. Never, never. Ever. never. Yeah. Um, and I might even do the two dip, you know, because it's more intriguing anyway. It's like, what do you mean by that? Um, but we talk in terms of, um, power, uh, accomplished, powerful work at the cross that Jesus was not dying to then rise from the dead, ascend to heaven and then cross his fingers and say, there's this potential salvation out there for you. And I hope someone believes in me mm-hmm. and I hope someone receives the gospel. Um, that when you look at salvation in terms of you are dead in sin, um, uh, you're dead in sin. Yeah. And what is God going to do? We look at the cross and we talk about the cross that God said, I'm going to save you and I'm going to save you and I'm going to save you. How am I going to do that? I'm going to send my son to die for you and you and you, and he's going to rise from the dead. He's going to send to heaven. And then I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to give you faith in my son, to give you repentance to my son. And through faith, I'm going to justify you. And then I'm going to start sanctifying you ever so slowly in this life. And then I'm going to glorify you. So the cross is this absolutely central um, part of God's rescue mission. Which is what redemption means, exactly, yeah. The other way, predominantly at least in our kind of, especially more in, in our country, especially, you know, maybe the Bible, whatever, is really the other ways to kind of think, again, in terms of that, like, cross your fingers, God. Jesus died on the cross, that opened up the potential, and now he's sitting in heaven, heaven waiting for you, dot, 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 you to activate, activate, do something, you know, uh, whatever it might be, as opposed to no, Jesus on the cross was doing this definite, powerful work of salvation for his people. You brought up the scripture before, um, before we started recording that Jesus came to save his people from their sins. He's on this redemptive rescue mission for his people, uh, dying for his people, Mm -hmm. um, uh, not content in the slightest to sit in heaven and hope that someone might come to him. Yeah. No, I'm going to go get them. Yeah. Um, and it's comprehensive. So like you said, I think it's important to point out that include the salvation that he accomplished includes your faith, includes your good works, includes your obedience. It includes this new life, this new way of thinking and feeling and desiring and doing everything has been achieved. Everything has been accomplished it's finished. And that's what Paul means by every spiritual blessing 
is ours in the heavenlies because Jesus is there. It's done. Now, the experiential application of it in this life uh, by the Holy Spirit through the hearing of the gospel, through the hearing of this good news, uh, is progressive, and it is, uh, it's uh, an experiential reality of your personal history and the Holy Spirit applying these realities uh, called sanctification and eventual glorification is God's wisdom, God's timing, God's plan, and a multiplicity of factors that he's considering, and, and it's the best way for you and for others, and on we go. That's a, that's a different discussion. The discussion of it being accomplished and it being done and finished, that's what the atonement's talking about. That's what limited atonement is communicating, although the word is lacking. Although the word is limited. <laughs> yes. uh, all right, significance of this. Let's let's unless you have other thoughts to kind of talk about. To me, it's it's fairly straightforward of, right. of what we're talking about and how right. we understand the cross biblically and what Jesus was doing on the cross. Um, uh, talk about the significance of it, how it even it lands home, because and maybe I'll even start riffing and then and then you go because yeah. Um, I know for me, I, I hear from uh, other people this struggle and have had this same struggle myself, especially when you talk about like the term limited atonement, that it can give off this feeling, this thrust, almost like Christians are trying to fence the kingdom of God in tighter, that they, uh, they're they sad about how many people are saved. And so they're like, no, 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 no. You have to understand the atonement's limited, um, <laughs> even though even though in my opinion, what I am per- perpetually doing in ministry is trying to help people understand that the cross is more powerful, yeah. not less powerful, right? Yeah. Um, but one struggle can be, and it's the same struggle with election. It's the same struggle when you talk about predestination or election as when you talk about the atonement of Christ. Um, and that it really comes down to, um, we could say it like this, is it for me? So when we say Christ died for the elect, to many Christians, that can send them into this uh, existential spiral, this intellectual spiral and labyrinth of, oh no, am I on the list? How do I know? And then how do I know, right? And then everybody's looking for the secret handshake and the secret mark. How do I know? Am I on the list? Is it for me? So... Yeah, so that's incredibly unfortunate, and I, I mean, it's it's normal, it's human it, to think and to push the implications of things. So we're not faulty, not faulting anyone, myself included, for thinking through these things. But there is a there is a warning flag that should click in our head and show up on our our peripheral. Oh, okay, I'm I'm actually going down the wrong path. When we treat theology in an abstract way, um, when we, um, when our theology, our doctrine is not Christ-centered, that's a, a red flag should mm-hmm. go up. Uh, when our doctrine and our theology, particularly on the atonement and on election, anywhere, anywhere these realities, this good news shows up in the Bible, it's accompanied by joy. 
In fact, Paul even says, as he's quoting, and I from it's always been that way, all the way from Isaiah to Paul quoting, "How blessed are the feet of him who bring good news." It's joy. It's it's expansive, overflowing, outrageous, uh, laughing, comical, uh, filling, and overflowing contentment and joy mm-hmm. and celebration and partying. Mm-hmm. So if our understanding of, say, the word election doesn't bring that out of us, you can know that you don't fully understand it. Yeah. And that's okay. Because when it, when it shows up in Paul in Ephesians, he, he erupts in this joyous montage of constructing the worst Greek sentence ever in the history of civilization goes 17 verses. And then when it shows up anywhere in the Bible, whether it's uh, an actual historical account of someone encountering Jesus or uh, the announcement in the history of the church, it's always joy. So that's a good, a good emotional marker is, is this really bringing celebration and peace and rest and an energy that's actually electrifying? Or is it like just... spiraling me into myself Mm -hmm. um these are not meant to spiral you into yourself when it's abstract it really tends to go in that direction because people are putting not jesus in the center of it but themselves in the center of it and then trying to figure out how to find some sense of control and comfort that ends up being in anything but jesus you end up trying to find comfort in election there's never Mm -hmm. what is that Mm-hmm. It's never that. It's not how elections treated. Mm-hmm. It the kind of the, even a subset sub point of that can kind of turn into salvation by theology. Yeah. Uh, if I can sit here and figure this all out, I'll get into the kingdom of God. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll become yeah. the elect. It's like whoa, whoa, whoa. That's I mean, we're we're not even in the realm of Christianity anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're not saved by knowing the right things. We're saved by Jesus. Yeah. Um, there is one implication I think that's really huge. It's and that is if knowing that Jesus accomplished this, that it's done and it's finished, means that uh, I now rest in that and rely in that and rejoice in that and am energized and electrified to live life because of that. Uh, that's a different way to live than, okay, uh, what he did is potential. It's not actual, it's potential, and now I have to find the secret or the leverage or the activating button or uh, the step or the how-to or the right discipline or the right teacher or the right anointed person or the right discipleship manual or whatever it is that, or the right sacrament or the right church tradition, the right theological stripe that allows me or the right amount of faith, or the right amount of obedience that allows me to, to tap into, to activate that potential thing out there of grace, this, this bathtub of grace in the sky, or wherever it, wherever it sits in its potential place, because that's another theological discussion. Mm-hmm. Where does this potential thing, is it in the, you know, the internet, the ethernet, where is it? Um, in the cloud, and then you access it to make it your own. Uh, that sounds an awful lot of what Paul would call uh, works, mm-hmm. justification by works. So that's a pretty huge implication. One is frantic, exhausting, exasperating, anxiety, 
Um, have I done enough? Constant measurements. Uh, and the other is peace mm-hmm. and rest. And it's finished. Mm-hmm. On the other side, it's never finished. How do you know it's finished? You know, well, you got to do that. Well, how do I know I've done it enough? Mm-hmm. You got to surrender. Well, how do you measure a surrender? I mean, we can go on and on and on, right? Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good implication. I um, was talking to you about this. I uh, asked my uh, seminary professor one time about th- this whole topic. And to me, it touches on the, the personal aspect, uh, the heart aspect of receiving it that that when we talk about some of these things like election predestination the the scope of the atonement that it can go that red flag way that spirals you because maybe you're looking for answers that the bible just doesn't provide maybe it's been wielded against you i mean earlier when you were talking about um how you think about it i wanted to say well also how whoever's talking to you about it could be talking to you about it you know could be they could be not they could be purposely uh, trying to discourage you yeah. with some of these things um, in certain ways. But I asked him, you know, okay, in one sense, we talk about the atonement is for the elect. It's for God's people. Uh, we don't have that list in scripture, but we have that language. And in one sense, it's for everyone. And and, and his response was essentially, yes, we can talk in those two senses simultaneously mm-hmm that it's for God's people. Jesus said, I lay my life down for the sheep, for my sheep. Um, And then someone goes, well, is it for me though? Yeah, it's for you. Uh, The gospel is for you. Jesus is for you. His blood is for you. Do you believe in him? It's not like I or the apostle Paul or you, meaning Jeff here, have some special access to Jesus that that other people don't, yeah. you know, or that we read a secret list, the elect list, and we realize, oh, we are welcome to the table. No, Jesus just said, I came to call the sinners. So not the righteous, just sinners. So, you know, you're a sinner. Yeah, I know I'm a sinner. Jesus came to call you to himself. Jesus came to die for you, rise for you, believe in him. Um, and I think you said it one time in, in a membership class, something like, that Jesus is the elect one, you know? So in in one sense, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but our election is in him, you know? Am I elect? Do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Awesome. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> You're the elect. That's it. That No, that is exactly it. That That's how it's used in the Bible. I mean, yeah. when Paul and the others would write New Testament letters, they would address him as the elect. Yeah. They didn't have some secret list of who the elect was. Right. They weren't that's not how they were thinking. Yeah. They the elect to them was anyone and everyone yes. who wanted Jesus. Yes. Oh, that is you're so, the elect. Welcome. So important. So if you're not feeling that way, if you are in the more abstract way, the red flag is when you start, how do I know if I am? If if my trust and my safety and my security is not in Jesus. Yeah. Then you know that you're going down a red flag path that will like cut and slice and dice your feet. It's just not it's mm-hmm. not good for you. It'll slash your heart. So, and I think Calvin was so I think we were talking about this earlier too that Calvin 
he he would say that anytime faith shows up in the Bible or anytime Jesus shows up in the Bible, you can replace them interchangeably because they mean the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so healthy and so true in understanding well, what is faith? Well, faith is it's it's what Jesus did. It's trusting mm-hmm. what Jesus did. So they can be used interchangeably. Anytime Jesus shows up, you could put faith there because you're trusting him. Anytime that faith shows up in the Bible, you could put Jesus there because it's embracing and resting and relying only on this work that Jesus has accomplished. That's why it's good news. Um, but if if what Jesus accomplished is potential, faith gets all twisted because it's not real faith. It's faith in what? Well, it's a potential. So there's a little bit of, okay, I'm potentially trusting Jesus, but I got to figure out how to access that. Mm-hmm. I've got to get that potential and make it real in my life. Well, what does that? Well, you do these things. So now your faith actually is in these works or these laws. Um, and that's never good news. Now we're in the good advice realm, and that never works out for people either. All right. Hopefully, this was helpful. Hopefully, we didn't uh, raise more questions than maybe helped answer, solidify some things, encourage. That is the goal. In this topic, I think we've said it, maybe we're beating a dead horse, but in the scriptures, when you look at these realities in these topics, it is meant to personally encourage real people in real time. And so whatever teachers you might be listening to on these topics or however you might be thinking of, if it's leading you into a labyrinth of discouragement and worry and wonder, and um, then it's safe to assume it's it's being used the wrong way you're using it the wrong way you're thinking about it the wrong way hopefully this is helpful clear of course we could go on for a long long time um but i'm not sure we're compelling enough to keep you listening so let's wrap this up here who knows what we're going to talk about next week but we we should be together next week to pump out another podcast as always reach out let us know what you want to hear us discuss um uh, we're always wanting to talk about things that matter to you so until next time